0: The world didn't need another hockey podcast; it needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. The Stanley Cup Eastern Conference, uh, Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals are underway. The world, uh, the world's tournament is underway. Including uh, the lower levels of the women's tournament, um, there's stuff going on with arenas, both in current NHL cities and past NHL cities, and possibly future NHL cities. Um, there's major player signings uh, for a league. Um, there's there's been uh, firings and hiring uh, firings and rumors of hirings, and rumors of reinstatements? Where or oh, where oh where do we want to start this week?
1: Oh there's two heavy stories here. I mean it's nice to have a little bit of flop in the middle, but uh I almost think we have to start with the issue in Arizona.
0: It okay, did. I would have said I would have said starting with uh, the other end of the continent, but
1: well, then start uh, with the other end of the continent.
0: No, no, not, I, I see. I think both of them are valid, but I don't want to necessarily do them back to back. No. So yeah, you want to start with the coyotes I just, and they're, uh, when I when I neg- when I named them the vagabond dogs uh, a couple of about a year and a half ago,
1: they're still homeless.
0: I I wasn't I didn't expect it to get to this level.
1: I honestly expected that tempi- that this was going for some reason I thought this would work. They had a whole they had a whole plan put together entertainment complex uh, similar in concept and idea to what's going on in Detroit with Little Caesars Arena and the way they've developed that whole area. They had a whole plan. And then all of a sudden it starts coming out that, well, there's already apartments. And we talked about this, I don't know, a handful of shows ago, five, six shows ago. So a month and a half maybe where they've already started uh, coming out with ideas as to why they can't because there's already already so many apartments in the air. I mean, they were really digging into the nitty gritty. And at that point. I saw that the writing might be on the wall that this might happen, but it's still an NHL franchise and why you wouldn't want something that brings in that kind of funding is beyond me. But yeah, for them to,
0: there's celebrate. a lot of reasons for it. And part of it is it got put to, it got put to a popular vote. Yeah, And most of these things happen at the bureaucrat and elected official level. Um, given the current ownership of mm-hmm. the Coyotes, who've had a combative relationship, not just with the Gila River Arena, uh, but with many of their suppliers, who basically forced Cheka out of town...
1: They well, you know, the suppliers like getting paid on time for goods and services that are supplied. Yep. Um they like being paid at all.
0: Yeah. And uh, not having to go through an entire dog and pony show to get paid.
1: And from but what we from what we were discussed in the past, that's not necessarily the case with coyotes ownership.
0: <laughs> um, that is entirely not the case with Tyone, Cody's ownership, in, apparently. But it's not just the current ownership. The league owned the team for many years. Previous ownership managed to run the team into the ground. It's The team has been there 20-plus years, and the health and status of the team seems to have been a topic for discussion the entire uh, time in the desert. Since they literally picked up and landed in the desert, it's been a conversation. There's an entire generation of people who, instead of being rabid hockey fans, are rabidly concerned about how the Arizona Coyotes are going to stay in the area and how much it's going to cost them. And uh, because the Coyotes have not been a successful franchise. It's not like they're the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's not like they're, I mean, no one's the Toronto Maple Leafs when it comes to pure income, but they're not a team like Vegas that came in and, you know, Stanley Cup finals, the first year playoffs, four out of their five first years. Um, They're, they're quite frankly, a lot more like, a protracted version of the uh, of the Arizona Coyotes. They're just they've just never they've never stopped being a stumbling toddler and managed to walk like a small child or run like an run, jump, climb like an adolescent. It just. It has to be incredibly frustrating even if you're a rabid, diehard hockey fan, it's a, it's a hard thing to be a fan of the way the Arizona Coyotes and the Phoenix Coyotes under both names yeah. have have operated. And that's, again, that's a separate issue from whether you think ownership should entirely pay for their arenas and their arena districts. And I think that there's I think there's that those things need to be separated. Um, But um, and and it's again, you know, whether you think that the owner should pay for it, public should pay for it, how that should be financed. Uh, I don't I'm not hugely surprised because nobody seems to have worse luck as a franchise than the Coyote's. Um, and I and I'll say that from an ownership perspective, from a drafting perspective, from a health perspective um, of players on the roster, just no. Um, I'm not surprised by this, and I'm given
1: not. yeah, good.
0: Given the combativeness of the current leadership of the team. I think that hurt them more than it helped them. Well, when the owner, when when Alex
1: Marulo has to spend money and have and have cease and desist letters sent to arena opponents to demand that they stop calling him corrupt. Your focus is not quite where it needs to be. <laughs> That's number one. Number two, he only gave – the plan that was put in front of the electorate as opposed to just the um, elected officials but put in front of the general public would have cost them $750 million in tax breaks and deferments. Marullo backed backed the campaign with a whopping $700,000. Okay. And that's I'm how much? Sure. How much would that buy in, in when you're building a stadium, a row of seats, maybe?
0: Um, it it might put in three or maybe four luxury boxes. Uh but seven hundred and fifty thousand no, dollars. No. I'm sure that between the two of us, if one of us stopped working, we could probably get credit approval for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars.
1: Yes, but it, and neither one of us would've... is a
0: millionaire or a billionaire.
1: But it would have cost the public seven hundred fifty million in tax. So imagine that you know they're looking at it as it's going to cost us seven hundred fifty million. This guy didn't. This guy barely met the one percent. Didn't even make the one percent threshold. Ten percent threshold. No one percent. Seven hundred thousand is one percent of seven hundred fifty million. Okay, not even. And then. So and I and I like this article. This was written by Eric Boehm. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Boehm. B-O-E-H-M. Yeah. Uh, And doesn't necessarily cut any punches because team owners would rather much deal directly with elected officials who can be more easily. um, Let's go with influenced. I'm reading this directly from the article. By dropping a bunch of cash on lobbyists, writes stadium subsidy critic Neil Demaus on his Field of Schemes blog. So he didn't write that. He was quoting somebody else. And the final sentence of this article just tells me everything I need to know. With the Tempe deal frozen by voters, the future of the Coyotes is very much in doubt. NHL understandably wants a team in the Phoenix region, one of the biggest media markets in the U.S., but not enough to ask Marulo to pay for his own damn stadium.
0: I, see, this is this is one of those things where I really, really wish the I really wish that the players' union were willing to step in and pay for part of it. I know it would blur the line between ownership votes and, and uh, union votes. Mm -hmm. But I think this is one of those things where as long as you can build a viable franchise, it long-term helps the pensions of uh, like, and player support for uh, uh, particularly for, you know, longer uh, for people who make it into the league but only for a short time, people who develop serious injuries. Um, I I think this is a, this is a, an opportunity that the players union needs to look at. Um, Maybe, maybe they do it as a silent partner. Maybe they do it as the managing partner of the arena. Um, Maybe it's, But given all of the money that goes into the union, I think that there's, that they have to explore and the league has to explore, particularly if they want to keep expanding beyond 32 teams. um, They have to mobilize some more of that money. Um, Because as a whole, the players have a good amount of wealth. And I'm not asking them to, I'm not saying that they need to, but investing in the – I think investing in the sport long-term is as good for the players as it is for the league and for the owners. Um, and I think it would facilitate more – I think it would facilitate more goodwill in the cities. Uh, In the various, you know, markets. I mean, realistically, if you move to. Yes, you move to Houston. Or you live in Houston Uh and you start hearing about. The players union is putting up 25 percent of the new billion and a quarter dollar arena district, or even just the $800,000 arena that's going to come in. It's going to have 19,000 seats. Um, it's going to have a community center. Um, and it's going to have like two after school programs, uh, like something like a boys and girls club uh, built into it uh, to, to help the city youth. And you know that the players are going to that various players, not just local players, are going to drop in and make themselves available to fans in those places on a pretty regular basis. Does that make you more inclined to go to the, go to the area? Maybe explore hockey if you're not a hockey fan.
1: In today's economic climate, how much of how much are they paying towards building this, or how much is coming out of my pocket to help pay for this building?
0: That's a that's a that's a question. That's a good question, but. Exactly. If if the if the but assume the players are going to play, to pay twenty five percent of the arena versus currently they pay none of it. The players' union is going to pop twenty five percent for an eight hundred million dollar arena, so two hundred million.
1: The, you see, the, and, and
0: I like the
1: idea in concept. I don't see it ever happening because you're slapping NHL. On to if the NHL is going to own the building, I don't think it's going to be the player. No, to no, be no. Not union. the
0: NHL, the players' union.
1: I don't, yeah, but I don't know how that works. It's, it sounds like a conflict of interest. I,
0: I don't know that it, I don't see how it is a conflict of interest. Or for that matter, maybe, I don't know that it's a conflict of interest. Uh, it might be in terms of it might be in terms of gate split for
1: the
0: but in terms of building the arena.
1: Well that's that's how it's conflict, is there's revenue kicking back to the players' union.
0: But how is that different from any silent partner? I mean the players are going to do the players are going to see probably more money from their contracts individually uh, at least for the players at media, middle, or above average contracts.
1: But no uh, current no current NHL player is a passive or minority or even tiny bit owner in an NHL franchise.
0: But the arena is not the franchise. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, many teams own their arena.
1: This one is yeah. it's a
0: complicated issue or
1: maybe I just don't. I don't think it sent a good message that Marulo wasn't willing to kick in. Oh, Marulo, is, Marulo we know. is
0: not someone I would want to do business with personally.
1: And I think therein lies the problem. I think the issue with I think this issue right now is less about apartment complexes and how many units are available and more about the fact that the owner is somebody who is perceived as less than stellar in his business dealings and reputation.
0: I mean, even another option,
1: (laughs) get new owners. (laughs) Well,
0: Marullo, I, I wonder how well he was vetted in the first place, but uh, cause this, uh, this, this reminds me of the former Sharks owner who had that interesting financing.
1: Uh, and and Marullo in does interesting financing of his own, so. <laughs> um, but based on the articles I've read.
0: But here's another idea: maybe the maybe the players' union buys into franchise, uh, buys into arenas as a minority owner of some variety. And instead of money coming out of escrow, uh, it comes out of whatever portion of the arena deal that they finance until it's paid down. That way all the players are getting their full checks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the debt from me, the, uh, the loan, amount to the arena and or the arena or the franchise, assuming they're separate, um, is paid off without it coming out of necessarily hamstringing uh, a new franchise. Okay. Or a franchise that's desperately in need of a, dam- of a new arena because of damages like the old, like Calgary from the floods and fires or uh, just the old Islanders arena, which was, you know, half a century old.
1: Yeah. Saddle Dome was not exactly in its, in its <laughs> prime. Yeah. Um, I can go along with something like that. The issue I see, the, the issue I see, and unfortunately it's everywhere. It's not just NHL stadiums, NHL arenas, NHL ownership. Um, uh, People don't want to be paying. Oh, I get that. 80%, 90% cost of building a stadium when the owners of the team that want the stadium are earning or have enough money to spend in that they couldn't spend in 20 lifetimes. And yet you're asking the general public to foot the bill. And then, oh, by the way, when the team comes in and when the stadium is built and the team comes into play, those same people can't afford tickets
0: ding, because
1: ding, ding. they're priced into the stratosphere. The Raiders in, uh, in Las Vegas funded uh, Mark Davis, got the funding. Primarily private funding to build that stadium. He didn't go to Las Vegas and say, "Hey, it's going to cost seven hundred fifty million dollars. We're going to need all this money." I think he got less than half of it. From he went to the when he went to propose to Las Vegas city government and and the state of Nevada, he already had the funding in place. Bank of America. I mean, there were some issues with it, and I remember the 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 hoops that he had to jump through, but he did not get. I, I think it came in at like 40 percent of the funding came from tax deferments and whatnot. He funded 60 percent of it, something like that and, on his own.
0: And that's a different – that's a – and that's
1: – But that's what frank- people want to see. They want to see that the owners are paying the paying the bill or at least paying a big portion of the bill.
0: And here's, and here's where I get into the part where I think there's some complexities that need to be resolved. Mm-hmm. Unless you're doing what was done with the Ottawa franchise and putting the arena in the middle of nowhere, which is what they did. They put it way out in a small suburb. Who? A Arena and arena district okay. need to be parsed and probably created as separate entities. Because I don't think it's. It makes economic sense. I don't think it makes. Look, I'm a fan of small business. I think that one of the things that has kept the U.S. economy reasonably stable without having had a second Great Depression, even though we've had multiple recessions, some of which were pretty serious, is that we've always had strong small business, heading into COVID, 52% of Americans were employed by small businesses, 52%. So when those big cuts hit the mega companies, there were still a lot of people working. I think that having smaller and medium-sized businesses involved in these arena districts and being able to parcel out the different Different parts of it, so that there's variety in the architecture, variety in the food and lodgings uh, for tourists, vari- uh, like various levels of income uh, availability for housing. Um, you have you don't end up with food de- like actual food deserts, so that you may have four thousand apartments, but not any but there's still not a grocery store in sight, or fifteen thousand apartments without a grocery store for, you know, seven, for 10, 12, 15 blocks. um, I I really think that the arena district, as separate from the arena, needs to be a far more organic and less top-down, less utilitarian, let's maximize the cost of everything for a pure taxation. Because, let's face it, you know the if you're putting in a hockey team, they're only there 41 days a year.
1: Well, 41 dates.
0: 41 year. dates.
1: Yeah. I mean, they they depending on other things that might happen. You, I they, mean,
0: you can count the preseason. So throw in seven yeah. or maybe five. I'm just, more. No, I'm just
1: thinking the the. I agree with you because the building's going to be used for other things besides just – or at least you would assume it's going to be used for other things besides just 41 NHL home games and two weeks of preseason and whatnot.
0: Subtract the 41 days and you still have 324 days to do something with the arena and the arena district and make sure that people who live there and work in the area – are supported. The arena district needs to be an organic, small city, not merely a shopping and entertainment mecca. Um, and the entertainment, you know, there should be a mo- I mean, there probably should be a movie theater somewhere within two or three blocks of the arena. There probably should be Maybe you put it – maybe you get a community health center, if not a full-scale hospital, somewhere somewhere in that area because those parking garages, those coffee shops, those, those dive bars, those high-end martini bars or places with 117 IPAs on tap are going to need someone to go in there and eat on the 324 days that your primary franchise isn't there. Okay, um, and I think that that's, I think that slapping money into the into the hands of arena financiers because you can't even call them owners when they're not—it's hard to call them owners when they're putting in one percent—um, isn't isn't the solution? Um, and maybe maybe the arena districts should should grow over like four or five years so that you can see what people actually want once the team is there obviously you need the restaurants and you need the parking and you need a couple of hotels immediately mm-hmm. and you probably throw in a couple of decent sized apartments and condos because yeah you want people to live a lot of people like living where they living near where they work Maybe you don't try and turn it into eight square blocks um, from some plan that's going to have something like a global pandemic rewrite the rule, rewrite society's expectations um, so, and how much people are going to be going commuting and doing other things like that, or going to the movies, and throw money away on something that's just not not going to be sustainable.
1: Okay, so segue this to Forsyth County, since this is a, another little thing. But Forsyth County in Georgia has an idea, and I don't know if they're trying to steal an NHL franchise or what the deal is here, but
0: they uh, they definitely but, like the idea of having the NHL. They didn't even pretend not to. I mean, um, it's which it's, article was this? But Forsyth
1: um, Forsyth County, Georgia is. A hundred acres of open land at Ronald Reagan Boulevard. Um, it was originally uh, originally supposed to be a mall.
0: And that mall never happened. Um, so the
1: land sitting there, I mean, it was slated to be a mall 15 years ago. But now um uh, Vernon Krauss, the local developer and landowner, uh, and Carl Hirsch, managing partner Stafford Sports, who is the consulting firm representing them, says that they can build. They want to now build a 1.5 to 2 billion dollar uh, state-of-the-art arena and entertainment venue, as you've just been talking about. The question is. Are they biting off more than they can chew? Because they're close to Duluth. They're close to... They're close to Duluth as far as um, the Gas South Arena. Now it's a smaller arena. They have ECHL in there. Atlanta, Atlanta Proper already has the State Farm Arena, but they don't have an NHL franchise to go in there. All they have is the NBA's team. Does it make sense to fund this... Uh, this venue and try to, are they trying to pull the teams away from their current homes or? Cause I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this kind of as a grab. And I think it's, if you can get all the franchises into one building, if you can get them to use it for WNBA, NBA, NHL concerts, everything else. And then you have this 750,000 acre, oh. uh,
0: is it I actually ideal to get everyone into one into one district into one building? Because what that means is you're only moving people to one part of your city.
1: But can you support multiple venues? Is the question?
0: Chicago has multiple venues for football, multiple venues for baseball. You're not going to put football
1: in a hockey stadium, football into a football into a basketball slash hockey stadium. I mean, yes, AT and T whatever in Texas, they've played basketball games in there, but I wouldn't want to see a basketball game in there because I'm sitting eight miles away from court.
0: But that's the. But you're still supporting two arenas that do the same thing. And Atlanta is the eighth largest metro region. Only the Dallas-Fort Worth area and Houston areas uh, that are larger are actually growing faster. The New York metro area, which includes, you know, New Jersey, Jersey City, is actually shrinking. Los Angeles-Long Beach-Anaheim metro area is shrinking. The Chicago-Naperville-Elgin area is shrinking. The D.C. metroplex uh, about the same. Same with Philly. uh, The same with the Philly area, but the Atlanta, Sandy Springs, Alpharetta, it grew by 2.17% between 2020 and 2022. That's that's pretty big growth for something that's already large. Um, And I mean, one of the key things, key factors to consider here. Yeah. Um, even though I think we're getting to the end of that being the big factor, okay. or you know, a 25% weight on the scale, Gary Bettman never wanted hockey to leave the NHL. He never,
1: uh, wanted, to hockey. Leave,
0: <laughs> it, it never wanted hockey to leave Atlanta.
1: <laughs> okay, fair enough. So you're saying that the next NHL franchise or a current NHL franchise is destined to go back to Atlanta, whether it...
0: No. I'm saying Atlanta is the new boogeyman for NHL Ah. cities that don't want to lose their franchise.
1: Well, they haven't lost their franchise. They've lost two franchises, but whose fault was that? I mean... The threat. The, the Atlanta Flames became the Calgary Flames. The Atlanta Thrashers became the Winnipeg Jets.
0: The Atlanta Version Thrashers 2.0. are basically the only. Uh, the Atlanta Thrashers last ownership group are basically the only only ownership group that you can genuinely say is clearly worse than a certain person we may or may not have discussed uh, or his predecessor a few minutes ago. They were terrible. Yes, I'm not disa- I'm not disagreeing. But here's the thing. Unless another team is added to the West, the Coyotes are not moving to Atlanta.
1: No, because that was not would in
0: to. the next two or three years, because Gary Bettman absolutely does not want a Unbalanced conferences.
1: No, he doesn't.
0: They're, and he, B, he does not want to take off either the Columbus Blue Jackets or the Detroit Red Wings and push them back to the Western Conference. So, what what I think the, is Detroit over, likes being the East. Houston. I, yeah. I, either Houston. Yeah. Or Salt Lake City, which I saw come up in a couple of different That's conversations. An interesting. Yeah, I we're going to have to
1: delve deeper into that at a later date. Salt Lake City is an NHL franchise. That'd be – I don't know. I, I'd have to stop and think about that one.
0: And they do have Coyotes up there. Maybe they could keep the same name, although I could understand them wanting to <laughs> wanting to change the name and maybe uh, maybe shake off uh, some lock, uh, shake off the bad luck. <laughs> Particularly if they can shake off their current owner, um,
1: that that has to go for. I, I'm I'm full. I, honestly, my final takeaway on this whole thing is that I think the Coyotes need some kind of. They need some way to to change. And I know it's more difficult than anything, but
0: one because
1: ownership has to change on that team. I think that's part of the problem. Is the, their reputation is preceding them, or the ownership's reputation is preceding
0: them, and in this case, it's both. But here's the here's the thing that makes Salt Lake City so interesting. Jeff Tabs um, of Fox 13 Salt Lake City uh, posted a story a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Here's the story. It starts off with weeks after Jazz owner Ryan Smith said plans to bring an NHL team to Utah were "Quote in motion; those dreams may now be in the power play stage with the governor fully on board. They've already got the state governor. They've already got a a a a big four franchise owner on board. Um,
1: Be be interesting if they were to do that in Utah, because to be honest, the Utah Jazz aren't a homegrown." franchise they actually moved there from New Orleans they started out as a New Orleans jazz
0: oh yeah yeah and
1: so th- to get an NHL franchise you could just be the location where franchises go to to change their fortune
0: <laughs> and you know they uh, tabs refers to Ryan Smith as deeply pocketed mm-hmm. uh, as a possible owner um
1: deeply pocketed that's a uh, I'm sure that's a a code for something. I'm sure. (laughs)
0: Talked about Salt Lake City off and on for a couple of years. For those of you who haven't paid attention, um, a lot of tech companies have actually slipped out of Silicon Valley. Um, Over the years, they've moved to Austin. Like most people know, they've heard of something about that. They moved to Nashville. Uh, Most people have heard something about that. Um, they moved to the Colorado area. They, they, they also moved to the Salt Lake City area.
1: I say they are moving out of the traditional, the traditional venue of, of, of and moving into some of these less.
0: Even um, Columbus over the over the last twenty years has gotten some of that big tech money, and that's that's a good part of the reason why the jackets are has started to their upswing. Getting it the wasn't tax just breaks. fixing their arena deal.
1: Getting the tax breaks, building headquarters is less expensive in those areas. I mean, I
0: have- everything is less expensive in those areas. I, <laughs> like the Columbus area is probably, I think the last time I looked, it's about 13 percent less expensive to live in than the Boston area, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem like a lot overall. But when you look at the cost of buying like a three or four bedroom house, in, you know, two towns outside of Boston versus two towns outside of Columbus. Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh,
1: it is, it is, it is kind of, a mild surprise, I guess for me, it, the way all of a sudden all these places are popping up. We've talked about various and sundry locations for adding expansion teams. And when Seattle, we were, we were having multiple discussions about who was going to get number 32 and, and Seattle emerging as the front runner. We were still saying it should be places like Houston or uh, you, you can't really at one point, we said St. Louis, but it didn't make sense because they've already got the blues. But
0: uh, no, it was Chicago we were talking about as a second city there, a second team there.
1: a second you can, you can see, I don't know if I don't know if Chicago is going to support it where they have an original. Where the Blackhawks are an original six, I don't even know if I'd want to broach the subject of putting a second NHL team there. I think people...
0: Oh, people have been talking about it for the greater Toronto area forever.
1: Canada's a different animal because they view hockey as their own.
0: They do. I think, um,
1: that, I think that Chicago fans are going to be loyal to their original six franchise. I think putting... It's kind of like... Cubs, White Sox. I the White Sox have a following now, but the Cubs have been there longer. And I think that it's. I. I just think that I don't know. I mean, it might work. I. I. I'd be. I. I'd, I'd be too risk averse to try it myself. But it. It. It might work. I. I just. I think they're gonna fall in love. I think that they're already in love with their original six franchise. And hey, by the way, here's another one. Go support them. Uh, been supporting this guy forever and a day. What are you talking about? Uh, I did Now that might that might take a while to get fans on board, I think
0: other 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 city that was that made some noise in the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, another city. see they're cropping up all over the place
0: and literally everywhere. um. <laughs>
1: I mean, Quebec is out, as far as I know. But
0: I don't know. It was a. I, I'd have to, I'd have to look it up. But and maybe we can talk about it next week. But there were there were serious uh, there were serious um, noises about a second British Columbia, uh, or there was noticeable noise. I'm not sure how serious it was about a second British Columbia. Um, Franchise to moving. I forget the name of the city. It was. It was the population was listed as about half a million.
1: To go which, to go with Vancouver. Okay. I'm trying to think. Of, I'm trying to think
0: of what else is what other
1: cities are big up there. I mean, Whistler is. Whistler is a skiing community. I've been. There. I mean. It, you go, for it, you go there for the skiing. I mean, it, it's nice area. I, I like Whistler. I don't know if it's big enough to support an NHL franchise, but um, I'm trying to think of what else is big out there. Vancouver is it. I,
0: I believe it was Surrey. Um, Surrey, British Columbia. I mean, they yeah, are. which is still part of the Vancouver metro area, but OK, I, I see. I find that one less yeah. possible. Um, uh, if the Coyotes are going to move, I think that Houston probably makes the most sense. They want
1: but, a, I think they want a team and I think it might make sense. And, and you've got a stadium there with the Rockets already in place. And uh,
0: I mean, that said, there are still options for for the um for the Arizona area, um, the Phoenix basketball team, whose name I completely forgot,
1: The Suns.
0: Uh, their <laughs> arena would need to be refitted into, yes. in order to do a, uh, an NHL team. But it's possible.
1: True.
0: Um, and I think we've probably beaten this poor uh, horse to death at this point. Okay. Um, or at least i you know, the
1: no, I'm good with of that. our
0: listeners. I'm good with that. Um, so let's jump into some of the smaller stories. Um, I never saw it. You said you saw it. I'll take your word for it, but I didn't hear it. Um, apparently, the injury for Patrice Bergeron was a herniated disc. Um,
1: ouch. Where we talked about this earlier, but okay.
0: I not yeah, spend he, much time herniated on it, disc, Ouch. I've been to, I've driven people to the pain clinic for pain blocks for these, Mm -hmm. and I can tell you that the needle uh, that they use to inject, not the pain block, the pain block, but the thing before they give you the pain block, is big enough to is big enough to terrify people who are well used to being poked.
1: This, what is that thing they give? What is that that injection they give uh, pregnant women to dull the pain? An, uh, an epidural?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, something along the lines of that. Having having a, a, a bulging or 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 ruptured or partially ruptured disc myself. One of the things that uh, they offer, but you can only really get it when you're actually in pain is you get a steroid epidural, it goes into, they go right into the spine, and it's not a comfortable procedure from way it was described to me. I unfortunately, I, I fortunately, I should say, did not have it because the pain subsided before it was scheduled to take place. But they actually have to, like, they, 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 only partially like they numb the area where they're going to make the inject that's it it's a it's not it's a local not a general so you feel this and to go through it and have a needle shoved right into your spine <laughs> sort of like a spinal that it's like ah no thank you uh
0: I'd it's not it. something you would ever consider doing if you didn't absolutely need it
1: Yes, if unless the pain and and there was there were moments when the pain was bad enough. This was two years ago, and thankfully it has not flared up. Every now and again, I do get pain in the lower back, and it's weird because where it affects you in other places, your lower back hurts, and suddenly you're feeling pain in your lower right leg. It, it's very strange, it, but. Yes, I read this that he had the herniated disc. It happened in the last game of the regular season against Montreal. There was, you know, some important people at that game for Patrice Bergeron if I'm not mistaken.
0: His whole family and that dad would his, be
1: it, his family and his dad who uh, unfortunately is suffering from his own battle. And we wish him well as well, but the, there was no way and and he Montgomery caught flack for letting him play in that game. It's like there's
0: I'm I sorry, but
1: there's no way in hell. I'm so, there's no other way to phrase it. There's no
0: way in hell he was going to miss that game. There's Short no of, way that the, co- that the coach, any coach, is gonna particularly a first year coach, but any coach can look at the future Hall of Famer, a five plus time Selkie Award winner and for and all the other awards that he's won. Say, yeah, you can't play today in front of your sick dad, in front of your family, for what may be the last regular season game of your career, and not lose the locker room. Not just not lose the player. And even if Bergeron was 100% okay with it, or at least said he was, in the right tone, in front of other people, other people would be excessively irritated on his behalf. There's literally just not a way to do it.
1: Um, Unfortunately, the Bruins fan base, not so forgiving for Montgomery, who are blaming him for Bergeron playing in that game and then missing the first four games of the playoffs.
0: You know what? Even if Bergeron had played those four games, Pasternak and... McAvoy were so bad I don't know that it changes the outcome of the series they were that bad Pasternak and McAvoy were that bad
1: yes and we're going to give Pasternak 11 and a quarter million dollars starting next
0: year I'm not giving it to him
1: you're not giving it to him okay
0: I, I do not write his paychecks
1: no, but you buy merchandise. You potentially could go to games, which means you're buying tickets. So in a roundabout way. Yeah.
0: I don't know why you're blaming me. <laughs> well, somebody is
1: paying him 11 and a quarter million dollars or eleven and a half, or whatever the contract was. And I want to see more in the playoffs. I don't know what the issue was. But.
0: Here's the thing: we've been saying we want to see more in the playoffs from Pasternak since his first season, and guess what? We've never seen more of
1: Pasternak in the postseason. Yeah. Has he had? I I the sad part is I've never looked up his postseason numbers, so I don't know.
0: It's not even he's... about his. It's not about his offensive performance to me. But because that's, that's been his... it's that's never been completely terrible. It's been inconsistent. Which okay. makes it hard to look back at, but it's the fact that he has these. He cannot. He does not play responsibly with the puck in the postseason. It, it just wh- doesn't happen. It doesn't exist. There were
1: yeah. a great many turnovers that, and and, and I say great many. I I'm, I'm I'm exaggerating a little bit. Obviously, some license there, but. There were turnovers that just shouldn't happen and why he's playing with the puck two feet from the blue line and then, oops, lost the puck. And next thing you know, Kachuk or somebody is going the other way with it unabated. It's no, it it shouldn't be happening. You should know better. This is the playoffs. Get the puck deep. Why are you playing with it at the blue line? Get
0: it's not even that the blue line hit two or two of his turnovers that turned into goals were within 15 feet of the crease that can't happen yeah this is true it, 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 it you, you wouldn't excuse a rookie for making those mistakes that's no. stuff that you lo- learn not to do in before junior hockey
1: and he wasn't and he clearly wasn't the only one that Had gaffes (laughs) such as that. I mean, unfortunately, you brought they brought back Connor Clifton after sitting him for three games because they wanted to try and change things up. Uh, I'm sorry. After he's been sitting for a week, mm, he had the
0: worst game that he had played in a while.
1: He had the worst game he had played literally since last season. It was I, awful. He had two awful turnovers in that game, and but there was nobody nobody was immune. Bertuzzi, who that's another subject for another time. Bertuzzi, as strong as he was, still had some glaring turnover. We Charlie, we know Charlie Hampus Lindholm, who was relied upon, struggled. I mean, it, it was it was a team effort. <laughs> But as far as this herniated disc, I mean, to, to. Even for him to come back in game five after her, suffering the herniated disc was. had to be a small Herculean effort. I mean, I couldn't move. I, I had one disc, I, I had two. One was ruptured, one was partially torn, or something to that effect. And. There were there were days I couldn't move. Getting off the couch was a struggle. Just to move six feet to the desk so I could work. Um, there were days where I literally worked on the couch because I couldn't move, or or worked in bed because I, it was awful. So for him to be able to get up and go in not Game just, Five was. It, it's not
0: even th- just getting up it's going and playing effectively yeah did he play the best hockey of his entire career probably not do you, should anyone genuinely expect that of a 38 year old with 1300 plus nhl games who knows how many injuries because the list of injuries that we that we know about for Patrice Bergeron is far from complete um it, No, it's like,
1: well, my biggest, my biggest issue with it was just the way the reaction was to Montgomery from the Bruins fan base that somehow, somehow it was his fault because he let Bergeron, he, he wanted Bergeron to play in the final game or he let Bergeron, like Montgomery should have told him, no, sorry, I'm, I'm done with hearing the arguments. There's no way any coach,
0: mistakes. But Montgomery's biggest mistakes were more in line with keeping with keeping Olmark in and keeping um,
1: His biggest yeah. and
0: taking taking Grizzlick out uh, like I Just can't some, do it unless Grizzlick had some sort of injury that we didn't ever hear about yeah
1: no, I agree. I think, and his mistakes were just in coaching and preparation. The players, I'm not even
0: sure you can call it coaching and preparation. I, I think he, I think he got
1: timid. He, he went. He, well, he went back to the expected or tried and true, or you know, you're splitting goaltending duties all year long, and then you get to the playoffs, and you go back to the old standard of. One goaltender. Omar hasn't played like that all year, and suddenly you're playing him in six back-to-back games. Now, granted, was he hurt? Whatever. We can go on and on about this. There's plenty of other stuff. I'm sure we can talk about because I could. I have opinions, and we'll be here forever. Like we got these. We got Sidney Crosby vacation story. Or do we want to save that for the end?
0: I think we should cover that really quick. And this story, I think, is more interesting for the fact that it exists than for its content. Okay, this is going to be a good one. In the 15-plus years that Sidney Crosby has been a part of the NHL, <laughs> what, two eye stories I've ever heard about him were, X years later, he's still living at Mario's house, and then, oh, Sidney Crosby has moved out. And that's it. That's literally all I've heard of him. Oh, and he was... And he went to... Um, or he was... Uh, McDavid said uh, that... Was it McDavid who said... Yeah, uh, that he... That Crosby was going to be at his uh, his cup party. Okay. Three things in, in a decade and a half. But, so Sidney Crosby... The story is told from the, by a friend of a friend, so who knows, it could be entirely fertilizer. But uh, it was on Twitter a couple of days ago. Huge, huge fans run into Crosby and girlfriend on vacation. Um, and Crosby is super nice. He pays for their dinner, takes pictures, blah, 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 blah. And, I mean, the fact that they're that a a girlfriend was mentioned because there's literally never any sightings of her or anything like that leading to a lot of speculation that I don't really care about.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but the fact that the story exists at all, I, I find way more surprising than the content because I've stated in the past that I think Cindy Crosby has said a lot of things that he th- believed were the things that were supposed to be said at the time not necessarily because he believed them or wanted to actually say them. Um, Whether I can't tell you what the case is in this case, uh, but I just thought it was interesting to actually see an off season Sidney Crosby story where it lines up with what we're told about him and what we see in the press when he's being a hockey ambassador during the regular season. That's it.
1: Uh, it I, I just, I'm really... reading the end of it. And I mean, I don't want to question, I don't want to question the validity of the story. I want to take it on its merits and say this, the, great job for great job for Sydney. Uh, he didn't make it. A, he, this, if this is the first we're hearing it, it is from a friend of a friend on, on Twitter, you know, nobody made a big deal about this Sidney Crosby didn't the the, the couple that he was with didn't good for him in a private moment and then picking up the tab left an autograph for the daughter but questioning I mean but the person who wrote this saying seriously who does that I think there are more athletes that do stuff like that than don't unfortunately the other side of it are the athletes who feel that They're above it all and shouldn't be bothered by the masses. And those are the ones that we always hear about. I don't think we necessarily hear about all the feel-good stories that happen. But when there's a negative, it's kind of like the old belief in in retail that if you have a negative experience, 8 out of 10 people will tell somebody about it. If you have a positive experience, 2 out of 10 people tell somebody about it. The negative stories always outweigh the positives, and unfortunately, I think in this case, the belief that sports entertainers and entertainers in general are un- unreachable is because those negative stories outweigh the positive ones. They don't get told as much. So thank you for filling this, filling us in. I'm not the biggest Sidney Crosby fan. I never have been. I, I, I'm I'm open and honest about that, but to read something like this, it makes me feel good. And this is the type of representation I want for the NHL and I want for hockey.
0: That, that part, you're a hundred percent spot on. Um, I think that I would like to hear organically like this one more about this stuff during the season when the teams are doing their official and semi official community work. I think that stuff needs to get, Uh, thrown on the NHL website just as much. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, the the NHL, this is one of those things where the NHL PR team, whatever you want to their social media folks, they should have been all over retweeting this and tossing it up on the NHL website, um, turning it into a story and this is this is what builds franchise like fan bases for long term. Like that whole emotional connection to the players, love the players, hate the players, because if you, the wider the story gets, you're going to get the people like us who are in the middle. Like we don't hate Sidney Crosby, but we're not in love with Sidney Crosby. You're going to get the Flyers fans and the Caps fans who hate Sidney Crosby, like hate him, spit on his shadow, have pictures of him on their dark boards. <laughs> They're going to be talking about it. Some of them are going to claim it's a fake story. Some of them are going to say, oh, blah, blah, blah. I, they'll say all sorts of silly things. But, like, it's going to get people talking in a positive manner. Like the NHL hasn't figured out, and I don't know why. Well, actually, I do know why. I'm just going to be polite enough not to say it today. Um, that the more you keep people talking about anything connected to the product, the better. This is why the NHL, uh, the NFL, has moved to have the to have an event effectively 12 months a year, whether it's the draft or the Combine, or whatever is happening in the offseason, there's at least one event a month in-season, out-season oh, yeah. thing for you to talk about.
1: The regular The regular season goes from September till January. You have the Super Bowl in February. March is the Combine. April is the draft. Then you get into May... I think May and I think May and June are the quietest months for the NHL, for the NFL, because then once you get into July, August, now you're into preseason, preseason games in September. So, yes, literally 10 at a minimum, 10 out of 12 months of the year, there is something NFL sponsored related happening. And, and the NHL, yes, it's, a, it's quote unquote, a winter sport, but
0: so your winter, control.
1: your winter sport is extending into early summer when you're playing hockey games in June and your draft is at the end of June and your free agency starts in July. But you, but once you get to that point, you stop selling it. No. I I heard about NFL draft, uh, you know, right up from the time they started talking NFL draft in like January with the playoffs, uh, lighthearted. And then as they move through the Super Bowl and then you get to March and you get the combine and they're hammering you away with the draft, draft, draft. And then it's like, No you've got to the NHL has to figure this out they have to somehow get their name in people's mouths 10 months out of the year (laughs) Unfortunately, July and August or August and beginning of September are quiet times for for the NHL there's got to be a little bit of letdown, but 10 months out of the year there should be an NHL related something going on
0: and and it's not even that hard because there is stuff that's going on. You just need to talk about it. You need to leverage social media, like figure it the bleep out.
1: <laughs> so, it, it, in in keeping with the theme of far away. And because there's actually other things going on besides the NHL players, there is another tournament happening, which we have somehow neglected to talk about. We've Uh, been busy. Yeah, that's true. But the IAHF world championships are actually taking place in Riga, Latvia and Temper. And... a quick look at the standings will tell you well that America is actually doing better than Canada. Okay, I had to say it. Which I mean, is important.
0: It's the most important thing.
1: There are three teams, there are 16 teams in the in the tournament, two groups, eight, two groups of 8. three teams currently unbeaten um one surprisingly not surprisingly is the United States. They're 500 and 0 because they have four categories because 15 points in Group B, Switzerland. I don't know how many people are surprised to hear that. I am a little surprised to hear that. Switzerland being 5 and 0-0. And then the third team would be Sweden, who unfortunately is second to USA, only because one of their five wins is an overtime win, which you only get two points for. You get a full three points if you win the game. You get... Two points if you win in overtime. If you lose in overtime, you still get a point. And if you just lose out, you get nothing. Sorry. Canada is third in Group B at the moment. They have uh, three wins, one overtime win, and one regulation loss. The surprising thing is that Nobody's talking about it. Even on the NHL Network, they're they're showing like one game a day, maybe. Uh, currently, the leader in the clubhouse for points is Dominic Kubalik. Now, yes, he's an NHL player, but um, he's got he's the only player in the tournament at the moment, not counting today's games that have started, and and Germany beat Hungary seven to two. Uh, Slovakia beat Slovenia 1 to nothing but the current standings have Dominic Kubelik is the only player in double figures and double digits in points he has that's, 11 uh,
0: that's worth noting
1: he has 11 it's it, 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 what I have seen of it, and unfortunately, like you said, we've been busy I, and, and I haven't seen full games. I've seen periods and, and uh, snapshots of time and, and some video and whatnot. It, highly competitive, even the teams like Hungary and their head coach, Kevin Constantine, who the NHL network has said is press conference gold. I, I, I have yet to experience a Kevin Constantine presser. Uh He's got high standards to live up to. If you're going to tell me it's press conference gold, because I, when I hear that, I think John Tortorella, obviously.
0: John um, Tortorella, Burke. maybe
1: even a Paul Maurice, you know. Um. Burke. <laughs> yes, Burke, <laughs> Burkey. <laughs> but from what I've seen, it's been highly competitive. Uh, Germany, uh, Finland. Finland not having a perfect record at this point is a little surprising. They want they they do have one regulation loss, and that would be to the United States. Now the tournament is still in group stages, so there's uh they're on like game six, so the most teams still have two games left to play, and then they'll get into quarterfinals, semifinals, and 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 the medals. So there's still a good week's worth, a uh, week and a half's worth of, of tournament time to go. So plenty of time to click over to TSN or the NHL Network or wherever you catch your hockey, and and give it a look. Give it a look. Uh, there's lots of NHL players going, so there are names you'll recognize. Maybe not so much on the Hungary team, but unfortunately,
0: um, we haven't talked about the phf in a couple of weeks and one of the stories i ran across this week um is a pretty big deal when you look at it uh from the right perspective when we're looking at like nhl prospects people who are drafted by out of europe by the nhl I think for me, uh, certainly for Russia, but even for a couple of other countries, mm-hmm. getting the players out of Europe onto the North American ice services for the first time is a big deal. Like teams love to have their 17, 18, 19 year old prospects come over and play a year in college or in the OHL or wherever before trying to sh- trying to shoehorn them into the NHL because, you know, the rink size is different. The physicality is different. And quite frankly, it's safer for someone to play that first 50, 70, 80 games at a lower intensity at a lower speed. Um, So, so the PHF has made a big signing, um, and yeah, it looks I'll like say. Minnesota uh, because they're signing they uh, it, they just signed a future Hall of Famer to come join the league um, they, it, this is absolutely a glow up for <laughs> for the team for the league and for uh, and for the Metropolitan Riveters Noura um yes she's Finnish um, future Hall of Famer and like, this is a, this is a no doubt first ballot Hall of Famer level player, mm-hmm. 33 years old, yeah, well past the age where any of us would expect an NHL player to come out or NHL prospect to come over for the first time has signed, um, to come play in the, uh, in the PHF. Mm-hmm. She played play at the University of Minnesota. She's the all-time, and here's where we get into her career pedigree.
1: Yeah, I was reading this, and, and I don't know. Wow. It's jaw-dropping. Yeah. Like,
0: this is, okay, so she played at Minnesota, she, where she's the uh, all-time leader in wins, shutouts, and career save percentage. She won multiple NCAA national titles, including in 2012, where she won, no, I'm not misspeaking, all 38 games she started in. She won all 38 games she started in. Yes. Um, last season, she played in her native country of Finland, uh, Nice in Liga for HPK, and posted a 156 goals against average and 943 save percentage in nine starts. Um, 2018 uh, CWH goalie of the year uh, while playing for Kool and Red Star. Um, let's see, and then uh, like her international play is even more ridiculous because she's got medals everywhere. Um, she's she's got two Olympic bronze. I was gonna say you haven't gone over the international stuff yet, so <laughs> but just just look her up. N O O R R A T A R A T Y rather, you will see her playing for the Metropolitan Riveters of the C H L next year. And so this is uh, the story is uh, the daily uh, DailyFaceoff dot com. Davies from the fifteenth. I just um, want to say
1: I just want to say one thing though, like like a certain player here in Boston who should have a, a the the a certain award renamed after him um selfie um she has been named best goaltender at the IIHF women's world championships five times five five she's got four bronze and a silver representing Finland also won a pair of Olympic bronze um and yet she managed she announced her retirement for international play last October But is still playing. Oh, and by the way, is still listed on the board of directors for the PWHPA, if I said that correctly. Yeah. uh, Excuse me, PHWPA, Professional Hockey Women's Players Association, something like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, That's a mouthful.
0: This is a big get. (laughs) Like, this is...
1: You think? (laughs) You think? And at 33, she still posted at 30. Even if you go back here, say she was 32 at the time, she posted a 1.56 and a 943 save percentage at 32. So yeah, I'm. She's not done yet. No. Nope.
0: <laughs> this is like having a top five European hockey player come over and play in North America, like that. That big.
1: So she's going to the Riveters and her number is uh,
0: going to the Hockey Hall of play Fame.
1: Figuratively, her number is going to the Raptors, <laughs> whichever number she chooses to have sent up. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's just a what a resume. I did. yeah nice get for the PHF. I mean that's and and that's the type of stuff again that you want to plaster everywhere. We are we have arrived, we this is how powerful a league we are. We've got world class players coming to play in our league. Bam. Mike Draw Speaking of women in phf and signing international players though um and i don't know do you want to close with this one as a feel good or can we talk about it now because i oh, kind of want to. Uh,
0: this one was so, wonderful <laughs> wonderful to see since we're going to talk about you know players
1: in in, in from international
0: no i, I actually want to talk about this now while we're talking about women's hockey um, yes women's hockey is growing in what has to be one of the most unlikely places on the planet at the moment. Um, Even more unlikely than Texas. Um, Is that possible? You're looking at the uh, 2023 women's Asia and Oceania championship currently being played in Thailand. Two new state, two new nations made their um, debuts so two nations hockey have growing. jumped into hockey culture.
1: Hockey is growing. There you go.
0: Um, Kyrgyzstan and Iran. Yes, I said Kyrgyzstan and Iran. The other teams that are being some of the other teams that are in this tournament: India, Kuwait, United Arab, Arab Emirates.
1: Mm-hmm. Now are are either Kyrgyzstan or. Iran any good yet? I mean, when you're when you're just well, joining the international stage, you might have some growing pains.
0: Um, I think there's some growing pains, um, but I think the pain is being shared. Uh, and I say that because, ladies and gentlemen, write this name down, um, or just go to the hockey news uh, and uh, copy it into your phone because Ian Kennedy's um, article. Uh, from a couple of days back, Fatima Azmaili, uh of Iran is after the first six games or four games rather mm-hmm. is leading Iran with 16 goals and 24 points in four games. Wait, wait, wait! She's averaging six points a game. In yes,
1: in an international tournament. Oh, and sorry, the team. Sorry, Connor, no longer the best player in the world.
0: <laughs> the team outscored its four first four opponents, Ray Borg, to one. They defeated India seventeen to one. They defeated Kuwait twenty to nothing. They defeated Kyrgyzstan twenty six to zero, and the United United Arab Emirates women. For fourteen to zero.
1: But you said Iran just joined this year. This is like their first tournament.
0: First tournament, yes.
1: Made their formal formal debut in IIHF sanctioned competition. So so this is their this is this this is their coming out party. And this this is saying They're celebrating. uh, They're celebrating. I don't know.
0: The Iranian women are saying we this show this stage is not too big for us.
1: I'm thinking the PHF needs to kind of send a focus or, or a scout over there or something.
0: <laughs> Look, if the, if they let uh, Fatima leave, if they let her leave Thailand without offering her a contract, <laughs> uh, failures across the board for every scout on the on the island uh, or in this in the nation. Uh, I understand hey, that you can be great at one level and not do well at the next level, but this this warrants serious exploration.
1: I I do I do have to say one other thing, kudos to India for scoring a goal. Kudos. <laughs> I mean, wow! I. I I don't. I do. I don't want to downplay this at all. I mean, some people will be like, "Well, you know, it, it's it's this or it's that." No, this is professional hockey or, or international is, hockey. This is it, this is strong competition. Whether it's you know, do you sit there not and say, "Well, strong
0: competition," it's scaled competition. It's, it's skilled, not like that's they the put a the high before, school skill. team Thank against you. a bunch of ten-year-olds right um,
1: it's, it's skill on skill you know There's, I'm, you, you know there's going to be you know there are going to be people talking heads out there that are going to be like well let's see how they do against Canada
0: it's not about how they do against Canada because as much as the Canadian team is a great hockey team yeah we're not talking about a country with a long tradition of hockey Exactly. or a long tradition of women's hockey. We're legitimately talking about first time at the dance and, you know, this is this is great for women's hockey.
1: Like I said, coming out party and they are celebrating. <laughs> I feel bad for Kyrgyzstan who also made their debut and and got routed unfortunately but I guess they could tell themselves they everybody else got routed as well. I I I don't know what to make of it. I mean 77 to 1 in four games. I don't I really don't know what to make of it. It's 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 stunning. <laughs>
0: that's that's the most that's the most appropriate term. Stunning. stunning.
1: Oh, okay,
0: and we wanted to cover.
1: Well, well, we're we're down to our other heavy heavyweight story, or and we're not
0: going to spend more than twenty minutes on it. I swear, Kyle Dubas. <laughs> well, we've been predicting this for a while, so <laughs> no longer a part of the Maple Leafs leadership. Did
1: did we not say anything shy of, like, Eastern Conference Finals would be a resume-generating event for him?
0: And as much as I believed that coming in, I actually was not 100% sure it would happen once they won that first round. Because the team looked better than we've seen them in the playoffs. They did. And... Not just slightly better, but qualitatively better. Thank you. Um, but let's get into all the reasons why we've predicted for years this was going to fail. We jump way back in time.
1: Oh, way back, machine.
0: Way back, machine. Um, thank you, Mr. Peabody. Uh, um, the original brain trust of the Maple Leafs was Shanahan, Lou Lamorello, and Kyle Dubas, and then wasn't and then they had Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock was the
1: head coach. Dubas was actually Dubas was actually GM of the Toronto Marlies.
0: But he was the assist. Then he was promoted to assistant GM. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. While Lamorello was still there, uh, which I don't know that Lamorello loved but um and we said I said at the time that's never going to work way too many personalities and before very long half of those personalities were gone Babcock deservedly so Lamorello went to do his own thing. Um, and now it's just down to Shani to make the Shani plan, plan work. What failed? Well, there were blocked trades. Reportedly. Multiple sources reporting it, to reasonably good or to pretty good places um, okay differences opinion on whether the coaching was adequate or not and I think that this is in Shanahan's favor because Dubas did not want to part ways with with uh, Keith I I'm not surprised, but the the some of the people being talked about in terms of replacements, no. Brad Travelli.
1: Brad Travelli. No,
0: what the bleep has he done to make you think he should be running the most profitable franchise in the league? Well,
1: Well, if this article is to be believed, maybe Brad doesn't have the financial demands that – because according to this article that I'm looking at, the reason that Dubas was fired is because he got greedy.
0: Uh, I didn't – see, I've seen the counter statements to that, that it wasn't about money, uh, and that Shanahan was saying, oh, well, after Dubas said he had to talk to his whole family about whether he was going to stay, um, and I'm paraphrasing – um, I wasn't sure if he even wanted the job. Um, generally speaking, if someone's talking to their whole family, there are underlying issues, and more than a few. We talked about this about a week ago, or two weeks ago, um, when I said that, you know, Tim and Thomas, part of the reason the family left town is because of how the family was being treated uh, in the community. Um and I don't blame them for it. Um I think it was well never mind. But if if I'm supposed to be the general manager of the team, yes. And I'm being blocked on trades? No, well, that's Yes. True. I would have to renegotiate that power too. Or leave.
1: Well, according to this, yes. Shanahan said he was prepared to offer a contract, expe- contract extension as far back as March. Figured they had the framework of the deal all set heading into this week. And then Dubis got greedy, according to Shanahan. Um, I mean, this article okay. is in the Toronto Star, Dave Feshuk, Feshuk. And I apologize if I'm butchering the name. I don't mean to. It's actually well, re- well written. And... It, does okay, does it Say a whole, he got
0: greedy for money or greedy for power, because I have the stinking suspicion which of those would upset but the, Shanahan more.
1: But the problem is, based on based on Dave's article here, uh, he's Dubas is uh, unexpected because Dubas, quote the weak need negotiator known for caving to his best players every demand at the contract table. Mm-hmm suddenly found the stomach for hardball when it was his money on the line. Now, if Dubas is weak-kneed and caves to his players every demand, why would you sit there and say that, well, Dubas wants more power? He doesn't sound like a power-hunger kind of guy because he seems to be giving up the ghost every chance he gets to keep players happy. Dubas's push for more power within the organization but that but the description of Dubis doesn't fit that he's searching for more power. I, 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 I'm having difficulty meshing the two is what I'm saying. They don't seem to fit together. So are we talking about Shanahan saw that this guy was giving away the farm and, and didn't want that to happen anymore? but you can't come right out and say that. I fired him because he's given everything away, including the including the kitchen sink. Uh, I, uh, I, see, you know, side,
0: I mean, in terms a, of, like, ROI, uh-huh. it's really hard to make a case for the Toronto Maple Leafs losing money by on anything, even if you think they're overpaying everyone. On the team, literally everyone on the roster, the team still makes money hand over fist. Yes. And with a salary cap, if you're either willing to spend the salary cap or you're not. Um, and the Toronto Maple Leafs clearly are. It, you're getting to the playoffs every year, so you're getting at least two gates at home. I I don't buy Shannon. I don't buy the I don't buy the money greed um, angle. I don't I don't buy the I don't buy
1: the money grab. I don't buy the fact that Dubis was trying to get more power. Uh, if anything, oh. if anything, Dubis might be trying to. And I said it pre I said it pregame pre show. Uh, this smacks of, of of another Pittsburgh situation where. He's not being allowed to make deals to improve the team.
0: Yeah, if like for me, if you're not allowing your general manager to manage or you don't trust them when it comes to deals. They shouldn't be there, but if you but you can't block their deals, their hockey deals and then complain that the problem is them. Dubas will have a, another shot at an NHL general manager's job when he wants it.
1: No doubt they want go send him over to Ottawa. I, don't do that to Ottawa, please. Now my question is: is he who wants to move? Because that team, unfortunately, is going to have some issues, the, the money-wise. I don't know if they're on par with the Bruins and whatnot, but you've got guys, you've got Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander. Uh, Moves are going to have to be made. Was the problem that Dubas didn't want to trade any of these players and Shanahan does or vice versa?
0: I think, I think it's a, it's probably comes down to who they wanted to trade. Like I, like based on what we've seen in the media, I think there was an internal split on Nylander, I, I suspect someone wanted to move him and someone wanted to keep him. I mean, that the, the, the Nylander saga
1: started a couple three years ago when
0: four or five years ago, yeah,
1: they waited up until like five seconds before the beginning of the season. Or did he actually split? He had no, he actually bled into the season, he didn't sign until like December or something like that. It was they couldn't move him, and they couldn't move him, but they didn't want to pay him seven million dollars a year, which they ended up paying him.
0: Yeah, he ended up signing December first of twenty eighteen, um, his current deal.
1: Oh, so it was more than two, three years ago. Okay, my apologies.
0: The COVID times, um, they uh, they distorted everything. But even even still, when you look at his deal, under seven million a year total cap hit um
1: and arguably he was their best player in the playoffs
0: <laughs> 87 points on 80 uh, in 82 games this year 80 in 81 last year um playoffs this year 10 points in 11 games playoffs last year or last season 7 points in 7 games previous year 8 points in 7 games it's it's really hard to argue that he's not been carrying at least his deal. Mm
1: -hmm. He's at least carrying his own
0: water. (laughs) Um, We've heard rumors since day one that Austin Matthews didn't want to be in Toronto. True, untrue, I don't know, but he's been better than a point per game player um, since his second year in the league. He's had one, two, three, four, forty two, three, four 40-goal seasons and a 60-goal season. On top of that, he's never scored less than 34 goals. If you were to trade him, whether you think he's a good playoff performer or not, and he's very quietly had 11 points in 11 games this year and nine points in seven games last year, um, you're going to get a huge return. Okay. Can, if you can find a trade partner.
1: So this leads me to my last question, because obviously no GM, you know, Shanahan being president, is he? Uh, and according to the story, according to another story here that from the Yahoo Sports, um, assistant GM Brandon Pridham is filling the role of GM in the interim. Um, but he's expected to be a long shot to fill the gig full time. It also mentions that the Maple Leafs are consulting with an interesting bedfellow because I'm thinking this guy is a little bit busy at the moment. Um, Apparently they're consulting with Gary Bettman and the league office regarding this vacancy. Isn't Gary a little bit tied up with, you know, well, that first story we opened the show with, um, where they're gonna put a whole hockey franchise. But yet you're bothering the league offices with what to me is an internal problem. You didn't it's want this guy as GM, problem. you terminated him, you replace him.
0: it's only an internal problem though if they're trying if they're not try unless they're trying to hire someone who's got uh, who's earned the league's wide and public disfavor, um, which means someone like Bowman or Quenville or someone else caught up in the Chicago Blackhawks spectacular failure to manage a sexual assault uh, investigation. Well, and and, and
1: I posed that I, I, I posed this thought earlier when we were that why is it that one of the parties has to meet with NHL approval to be reinstated, but the other one doesn't? Because you mentioned Quenville, and apparently <coughs> Quenville has, is reportedly intrigued by the possible opening. There have been no whisperings, there have been no indications that Sheldon Keefe is out of a job.
0: Uh, at the yes. time, no. Yes, um,
1: Dubus is maybe done. Maybe Quenville I get wants
0: it. to move to the front office.
1: But Quenville is reportedly intrigued with the possible opening if Keefe is let go. And there's, not, there's, there's no smoke, there's no fire here, but yet you're whispering in Shanahan's ear that you want the job.
0: I'm pretty sure that happens with 32 of 32 teams. I,
1: I don't That seems a little disingenuous to me. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, I don't particularly like it. First, first of all, still expect it to happen.
1: First of all, get reinstated and then and then focus on where you want to work or if you're going to get a job or if somebody actually wants to hire you. Unfortunately, if And I'm not sure which one of the two gentlemen is the one that has to be reinstated first. I think it's Quenville. I think Bowman just gets a pass. And I hate to say it that way, but I don't know how else to phrase it. Uh, I think Quenville's the one that has to clear uh, some hurdles and, and be reinstated first. If he is reinstated, I'm sure there are teams that are going to line up. Yep. Line starts here. But for him to be whispering and, and I don't know, that, that just seems a little disingenuous, especially since they don't have an opening. They still, at the moment, have a head coach and have not indicated that they are getting rid of said head coach. I may not like Sheldon Keefe. I may not think he's really good head coach, but that's my personal opinion. Toronto, he's still hired. He still has the title of head coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs, so let it go. Sorry, I get it. Uh, do we, I don't. Do disagree. we have a Do we have a positive to close the show? <laughs> um,
0: I I think it's positive that the Sun Belt. Stanley Cup finals are still actually being talked about, still playing competitive hockey, still enjoyable hockey. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched a good chunk of the seven period four overtime uh, Eastern Conference opener.
1: You are a better man than I, sir.
0: And deep into the third overtime and into the fourth overtime, Mm -hmm. they're still hitting each other. They're still skating hard. Still, Chris passes. I mean, the biggest noted the biggest thing that you could notice in terms of like fatigue factor creeping in, were how long it took players to get up from hits, and that the hits were overall smaller or less impactful.
1: I'll say um, that I, I'll be, I, I was, I was more, and I hate to say I was more impressed with Carolina. I know that they ended up losing, but I was more, and I wasn't more impressed with. I was more impressed that they were actually still hitting that late. In you're right. The hitting, the physicality, uh, not so much with Florida. They you what know, getting to watch them seven games against Boston. They were physical. They could hit. They were, they would get under the skin. Uh, Matthew Kachuk is, is almost, if not as good at it as Brad Marshall. And uh, they, I, I'm, I expect the physical from them. I'm not as sold on Carolina being a physical team, but for them to continue to play that way for seven periods was to me a little shocking. Yes.
0: <laughs> Do they really have a choice though? They don't have that superstar and none of their players seem to have emerged.
1: I thought Aho was that superstar.
0: When you watch a game, when you watch a Carolina game, does he take over a game or a period or a shift?
1: He's not, he doesn't immediately attract my eyes when I'm watching, say, Bruins Carolina or when I'm watching Florida Carolina. It, it, my eyes tend to wander to other players. So, yeah, no, I guess he doesn't. You're right. Uh, we did. We are we going to cover before we get off uh, before we finish, excuse me. Miss, yeah. Before we finish, we do have a Twitter poll, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh, the Twitter poll from la- uh, the topic we were
1: and we covered last week. Pick?
0: Um, I think it's an interesting result, and I think it comes down to how much you value. The second, whoever you firmly believe is the second best player in this draft, um, as much as it does the named players in it. Um, But we put up the poll if you're Kyle Davidson of the Blackhawks, would you accept a trade offer for the number two pick, the 34 pick, Troy Terry, Trevor Trevor Zegres, and Olin Zellweger uh, for the first overall?
1: Um, That's right. Why did I think our tr- our Twitter poll was about Kreider? I'm sorry.
0: Oh no, no, that was a different story. That was someone else's Twitter poll. Ah, uh, okay. Um, this one got a decent number of votes. Seventy three percent said no. I I don't know that I can. I don't know that I can turn this trade down. I, and
1: we did we did talk about this at length last week. I, I
0: I know it's my trade idea, but I don't know if I can turn it down. Number two, Troy
1: Terry Ziegris.
0: First pick, uh, second pick so, of the second round as well. yep,
1: so they're getting the they're getting the number two overall and so they're getting the first round and second round pick. Yes. and Troy Terry Ziegris. Why don't I remember I only remember parts of it. I remember Zegris, I remember Terry, and I remember the number because I kept Olin Zellweger. Oh yes, because I want Jamie Drysdale. I, I and, don't think a franchise you won't, and can you won't justify trading and you won't give me Drysdale, so
0: I don't <laughs> think a j I don't think a franchise can trade can justify trading three players off the roster for someone who's never played. But you can jump but you can keep your second round pick. No, it would be the first round pick that would be kept and possibly the second as well. And just make it bodies for, for the pick. Wait, wait, wait. So I don't, so I'm getting all of those things and I'm not getting
1: any picks in the first round. And I don't know. Troy Terry. I like him. Trevor Zegers. I like him more than that. If you give me Jamie Drysdale, I will begrudgingly. This is the one way you might make this work. Give me that first pick in the second round. Terry Ziegris and and Terry Ziegris and Drysdale. If you take out if you take out the number two pick, but you throw in. Drysdale instead of Zellweger you might get me to move
0: not happening
1: okay I mean it's amazed that 73% I, I expected it to be a little closer I did 73% no is is higher than yeah I I figured it was going to be closer to a 60-40 65-30 yeah probably 60-40 73 73 you know, three quarters of the votes, almost coming in with a no, is is either you really, really, really want Conor Bedard?
0: <laughs> um, and the easiest poll question I've been I've seen on Twitter in months is the one you just mentioned, the Kreider. In the MSG Raptors. Yeah, this one. Question. Um, Uh, So last week as we were closing the show, or just after we closed the show, NY Rangers Muse (laughs) tweets, question of the day. Will 20 be hanging in MSG when Kreider retires?
1: Did I find this or did you? I think I found it for some reason. I don't know why. I think you
0: found it and I responded to it with. Yes, uh, that's right. I responded into it with the very, very subtle who wore 20 before him that it would be retired for because (laughs) the answer the answer to this question is no. I'm sorry. Those
1: of you that said yes,
0: he's um, going to need to do a lot more. Yeah. Which which is honestly my biggest problem with him. I, I think that he's actually capable of a lot more and just for whatever reason, it hasn't happened.
1: I am shocked at the number of people who act, who actually believe that it, I mean absolutely without a doubt 100% um it has to be it, it, I'm sorry just no like he, there are up until he scored that 50 up until he had those 50 goal the the the, the 50 goal season was it last year
0: It was, uh, yeah, the 21-22 season. He wasn't. He never had more than 28 goals. He'd never come close to a point per game.
1: He has a breakout season, and congratulations to him. I take nothing away from him. But did he match that this year, or did he come close
0: to it? He had 36 goals in 79 after 52 in 81 last year. Total of 54 points in 79 games this year. So even in his career best season, he was not a point-per-game player. In 107 playoff games, he's got 40 goals, 64 points.
1: 104. So he, play, so he, he plays down Ten,
0: of, 10 of those goals came last, uh, last postseason, in the 21-22 postseason. Okay. He's consistently scored each postseason. He, he like, gotten goals, but— to me, it's a no. And that, hockey fans, is where we leave you. Have a great day. Um, long weekend next weekend. Uh, we will still try and get the show out either Sunday or Monday, depending on our schedules. Um, have a great week. Share the show with your friends, family, co-workers, random people you run into on the street. Leave it playing uh, on uh On phones and laptops and random stores that you might be shopping in. (laughs) And we'll be here next year, uh, next week. Take care.